Hello, Petey. Can you hear me? If you can't, you're in trouble. My culture is based on freedom and self-determination. Freedom is irrelevant. Self-determination is irrelevant. You must comply. That's right, boys. Mondo cool. I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Miss Lewinsky. My plans have followed a path unpredicted by the union of NAR and GDI. I want the people of America to be able to work less for the government and more for themselves. Historical Diversions History Over Drinks This is the third and final part of my interview with former marketing director Jeff Carver. If you don't know who he is by now, maybe check out parts one and two. You can also check out his website for all of his activities at jeffcarvermusic.com. If you like just jumping into a conversation towards the end, come on in. We won't judge. Without further ado, Jeff Carver. You left Maplewood Mall in 1994, but I didn't realize until doing kind of research uh, research for this interview that it wasn't like you were done with shopping centers at that point. What made you uh, what made you leave Maplewood Mall, and then where did you go after that? Well, Maplewood Mall had finally, um, well, the corporate property investors had finally tired of me you know, <laughs> sucking up all their income <laughs> and, uh, and they're, they're, they had offered me different jobs and I had to turn them all down. And for the same reason as the right, initial, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I would have moved easily moved. Um, uh, there was a, uh, great opportunity in Atlanta. There was, uh, uh, one of my first opportunities was in Northern California. Um, it would have been exciting, uh, but my whole life would have changed, and I'm super happy right now. So, it's. I was talking to somebody just a few days ago about this, and and they said, "Well, what if you would have taken that, been able to go to California? What would your life be now?" And I go, "What you don't know, you don't know." And as long as you end up happy, it's good that you don't know, because you don't have any. I don't have. I have zero regrets on that, but. The thing that we get into is uh, I had the shopping center background. So uh, this company was looking to put kids' play places in different shopping centers. So I was hired to help negotiate those leases and and um, get these stores open. This was, uh, this was Jumpin' Jacks and... Um, while I was aware of it, um, I know one that was, I think, I think it was national discovery zone was essentially like these, you know, the giant tubes, the, you know, the McDonald's play places on steroids sort of thing. And, um, from my understanding, I could be wrong, but these were, these jumping jacks ones were going to be more like mall centered. I think so. Yeah. Uh, what I recall and, um, they were going to be in a variety of different malls. Um, they were going to be able to take up a space 
that wasn't in the main traffic area because they were a destination. So you could put them in that corner spot. And because they needed a, a larger square footage, you could, you could now, um, with percentage of sales and leases and all that stuff, you could make good money off a, a tenant like that. So, and, and these concepts were similar to Discovery Zone, but then add laser tag, add birthday parties, treehouse places, you know, fake treehouse, uh, uh, a place where kids could sit up in the treehouse and have their birthday party and things like that. Um, the execution was flawed, and I wasn't, I know I wasn't very good at it. Um, and, uh, uh, there are just some other things that I just didn't like. So that was, sh that was short lived. Yeah. Um, and then I went to, uh, uh, this company, uh, by design, uh, which I still keep in touch with, uh, one of their lead, um, designers for that. In fact, she was just out at one of my shows a couple of weeks ago and she just did my business cards. She's done my, you know, our relationship, um, has gone on for, you know, how many years is that? Since 80, she was with, originally with that company in 1986. So whatever that is, 40 years almost. Almost. Uh, not that, not that I was born around that time or anything. No, you were, <laughs> that's right. You were, well, 86, you were 85, right? Yeah. Yeah. So close, <laughs> close enough to 40 that, uh, that my wife and I are, oh, it's close enough, I guess. <laughs> yeah, what's, what's funny is when my marching band was uh, in, uh, we went to Disney World and played at Disney World in in Florida and uh, performed down there. And uh, your mom was pregnant with you at that time. She's running around and it's hot and all that. And I don't know, like that must have been, you're born at the end of August. And I think that was probably in July. That you probably shouldn't have been running around. Probably shouldn't have been on the plane. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it explains why you are like yourself. I was say uh, <laughs> the birth defects are uh, very coincidental. <laughs> yeah, you keep going into Mickey Mouse impersonations all the time. I don't know why he does that. What's weird is that it's the Family Guy or the South Park Mickey Mouse where it's a little bit of a darker side, <laughs> a little demented version. Okay. <laughs> So like, so by design, was that essentially more marketing toward like shopping center, like advertising? Well, yes. Or? And that was my advertising, the company that I worked with. And, and I really think it was, you know, they knew I was in a tough spot and they kind of helped me, you know, come in and, and, uh, do it. But again, that's not really what I wanted to do. And I wasn't very good at it. And, uh, I think I quit shortly before I would have been fired um, just because, uh, you know, the industry was changing and, and they wanted to really develop themselves into a large company. And a lot of these companies had in-house ad agencies and design agencies and, and even the smaller malls that didn't have the budgets. So it was a sort of a flawed kind of a situation and, and, uh, but the person who ran it, Janine, superstar, absolute superstar. And uh, there's another guy named Tim who was in there who was also a superstar. And then Christine, who I still work with, is this 
it was a mega star. Uh, uh, just great people. Uh, my life has been uh, so awesome. I've just had, I've had obviously mean people and sucky people and all that stuff. And I think everybody does. But overall, I've had some just really great people around me. Um, I've been very, very lucky, very blessed with that. And so I didn't last long at By Design. And, and um, so then it was time to, um, in fact, I just got back from a trip. And while I was on the plane, I wrote what a marketing plan would be for my own company. And I developed a plan. And again, it's shopping centers being the root of that company, as it was for By Design. And that's how I started. And it was very profitable right at the beginning. But many people in those positions are female, not all, but many. And they're younger and they get pregnant, married pregnant, and then then have kids. And so they're not around anymore. And somebody comes in and they have somebody helping them. So they don't need me. But what I was is sort of the I would sort of go in and sort of be somebody who knew what their job was and I could help them with that. And uh, again, it was, I was working with friends. Every place I went, I had friends. Um, and so I was, again, very, very, very lucky. Uh, and it was quite profitable for a while. But then as shopping centers sort of went away and they didn't have the budgets, um, I started working with law firms, plastic surgeons, cities, any anybody that needed that expertise. And again, it was still those same concepts, no matter what the end result was, whether you're working with a, on, a, on a city trying to help their downtown or you're working with a plastic surgery group trying to get them to um, market this, themselves more cohesively. Uh, you know, it's the same it's those same concepts that I go back to the mall business that I was taught. And so I did that for a few years. And then um, uh, started to go back into music, got drawn in. Um, because that's really what I was going to do with my life. And all of a sudden, and I thought I would never do it again. And I got, and I got drawn, drawn back and drawn back in which was not profitable. <laughs> and uh, and then shortly thereafter, divorced. And, um, and then, um, and then remarried. And after I got remarried, I decided to get the marketing company going again. And that was my best work I think I, I did with my marketing company was after that. And I don't think any shopping centers at that point, I could be wrong, but I think mostly it was other, um, it's like mortgage companies and stuff too, and, and really focused on um, really helping them brand their business. And I, I found that my niche was really middle-sized companies with really strong CEOs that built their companies, that held their companies near and dear to their heart that that was part of their family and their employees were their family and 
so they needed to be uh, here's an here's a story so when I started my company again I wanted to get an office I'd been working at home before and I wanted to get an office I wanted to work in uptown Minneapolis because at that time uptown was was uh, thriving a very artistic uh, area and I very that, hip <laughs> very hip and I thought this is this is where I want to be so at that time Calhoun Square um, I thought that would be a great place to have an office they had some offices there and and they had an office kind of area up towards the top that didn't have any windows or anything but it was a it had a small area and their manager said this would be perfect for you. And I could get it to you for like 600 a month or something. It was some really doable thing, but I had zero income. And so I said, can I let you know tomorrow? And he said, yeah. So I had a meeting with a guy who has turned out to be a lifelong friend um, that afternoon and uh, an early afternoon, and he goes, um, I sat down with him. He ran a bunch of mortgage companies, or a mortgage company with a bunch of locations. And I went in and said, well, here's what I can do. I can write a marketing program for you, and then we can go from there and all that stuff. And, and he's kidding me and doing all that stuff. And then when he finally settles down, he goes, well, how much would a marketing plan cost me? And I said, well, it would take some time because you've got to really spend time with me so I understand your business and stuff. And, you know, it would take probably six weeks to do. And, you know, I don't know. And I can't remember the number, but let's just say it was like 15000 And he goes, well, that's a lot of money. And I go, well, it just takes a lot of time and all that. And he goes, for stuff like that, how do you work out payments? And I said, well, I'll just do 50% down. By the end of that meeting, he had written me a check for $7,500. I had $7,500 in my hand when I walked out of there. Now, I knew I could get the office space. I knew I could order office equipment. I, I had the wherewithal for all of that. And he literally launched me to do that. So, and eventually, so I was working with all these different people and he kept piling more and more responsibility, giving me more money. Eventually, I just worked with him. Um, and then, <clears throat> excuse me, then went into, uh, when I decided I was kind of done with the company, then kind of that was it. And he wanted to hire me for his company. Uh, but that's not what I wanted to do. And, uh, but I, I totally, uh, you know, you have people come into your life. I've been lucky this way. People have come into my life and made a difference. And sometimes they stay and sometimes they're gone, but they make a difference. And I marvel at that when I look back. Um, I go, wow, that person came in introduced me to this other person that relationship took off and now the original person I don't even know where they're at anymore um, 
and that's happened so much in my life. It just is not coincidence anymore. It's just I, I, I think that's some kind of divine revelation or some kind of. Uh, um, it just happens too much. It's like when a book falls off a shelf and it opens up just to the page that you need and you go, oh my gosh, that's the answer to my question. And you go, how did that happen? Well, you don't know, but it's, it. I always look at that stuff as really cool and it, it's happened to me many, many times. Uh, too many to be coincidence. So um, uh, after I left him, uh, my wife and I were really into hiking and backpacking. And I decided to create a hiking and backpacking con uh, company. Uh, had some good support, created uh, some really cool products uh, and all that stuff. And um, ended up with some clients that were, that were not organized and... Uh, so product placement, for example, I'd put a lot of money into displays and they had approved the display. And then the store managers were like, well, we don't like this display. And I went, well, your corporate approved it. And they go, well, we're not putting it in my store. Things like that, that the left hand doesn't know what the right hand's doing. And I finally got tired of all of that. And um, um, that taught me perseverance because as that, as that launched very, very successfully and then sort of started to decline as follow-through went away, um, I just kept going and going and going until the last bit. And when that last bit didn't work, I was done. It was really kind of a cool evolution and you only appreciate it when you can look back at it because when you're in the middle of it, you go, what? Yeah. <laughs> so th that was a, a, a tough time, a, a very tough time. But what it did is it brought me back to music. Um, here's the interesting story about this transition. So I go, I'm going to get my marketing company going again and get money back in my pocket and get really going again because I know I can do it. So I uh, got myself together and started to go to these networking meetings and, you know, Tuesday morning business get-togethers and all that stuff. And I had set up a day to do three meetings, which would have been uh, almost $20,000 worth of business if I got all three. And uh, I got up, got really excited. My wife went to work. And something happened during the day. Uh, my first meeting was like at 1230 and at like 930 I'm digging through the storage room looking for my trumpet and I didn't even know what I was doing really looking for it and I'd sold off all my other equipment and all that stuff and I had a trumpet and I finally found it 
and the valves are all stuck and everything because I hadn't played it in a while. And so I oil up the valves and get it working and I start playing and I can barely play. And um, I start playing and it was like a switch had flipped because when I played trumpet before, it seemed like a lot of work. I wasn't very good. I didn't want to do it. It was an albatross around my neck. It, it was that kind of thing. Um, even though I'd been very successful with it. But it was, I've always got this inner voice telling me what I should do and what I shouldn't do. And it's my arguments with that voice. So for some reason, that voice was telling me, you need to get going on trumpet again. That's your calling. Well, I had these meetings. So I'm sitting there and it's about noon. And I finally call, and I'm still in my pajamas, I think, I'm sitting on the stairs practicing trumpet. So I call all my appointments and cancel them. About five o'clock, my wife gets home and she's like, I can't wait to hear how your meetings went. And I, and I go, they didn't. I've got this <laughs> great news. She goes, what's that? I canceled my meetings and I'm going to play trumpet. Boy, oh boy, I almost was on my way to the second divorce. <laughs> she was furious. How could you do this? I said, There's something telling me I should be doing this. And she finally got on board and and shortly after I got into a really cool club band and I started working on my jazz stuff and I started figuring things out. And that's where I am today. Uh, and I had a really great run prior to the pandemic, toured, soloed with a lot of people, played with a lot of great guys. And uh, now I'm just kind of playing around town. Um, but I wanted to go back to something that I just thought of as you know, I talk about being surrounded by people and keeping connected with students. One student helped me get a partnership with uh, Southern Comfort, and I did a, a CD um, called Getting Comfortable, all original music by a friend of mine, and that solidified my relationship with my friend, too, and we ended up doing a couple of decades of recording sessions. And... Um, uh, but this other former student is the one that got everything in motion, got the funding, put it all in motion. And I thought, and I've kind of lost touch with him, and he got divorced and moved and changed companies and stuff. But again, people coming in and into your life making a change, and see you later. You know, I'm going to help you here, and then I'm out of here. Uh, and, and it's pretty interesting, and I've, like I said, I've seen that throughout my life and have countless stories. We'd be here all day going through all the stories of all of those things happening, whether it's a former classmate, a former student, a, whatever, a friend. Um, your mom's uh, cousin gets me into shopping centers, changes my life. Um, I mean, all these different things. And that's one of the threads that goes through all of these things is that, is that there's people around you everywhere to help you and you just have to ask for the for the help 
there's a interesting, uh, I don't know if it's sort of a, it's kind of a joke, kind of a parable of a, of a man who uh, he's fishing and he falls into the water and he can't swim and he's struggling and he looks up in the sky and he goes, God, if you will just help me with this so I don't drown. And uh, pretty soon a boat comes by and the person in the boat goes, give me your hand, I'll bring you out of the boat. And he goes, nope, nope, God's gonna help me. God is gonna help me. I know it. And uh, the guy goes, okay. Goes by. And he goes, God, I know you're going to help me. I know you're going to help me. Another boat comes by and the guy goes on the boat goes, hey, give me your hand. I'll pull you onto the boat. Come on, you can't swim. And he's like, he's like, no, God's going to help me. I'm okay. God's going to help me. And the guy goes, okay. He goes by. Another boat comes by, reaches out. And the guy is gasping for air. He's flopping down into the water and up and down. And, it, it, and the guy goes, here, I'll, I'll grab you. I'll grab you. He goes, no, no. And he's gurgling. He goes, no, no, God's going to help me. God's going to help me. The boat floats away. Suddenly the guy goes down underwater and drowns. Well, pretty soon he's up in heaven. And he's standing before God. And he goes, God, why didn't you help me? God goes, I sent three boats for you. It's about being aware of what's going on around you. And you can't be aware all the time. I miss probably 10 times more. But that thread, no matter what business you're in or what you're doing, of relying on the people who are there, to, who are there and they can help you. And in many cases, they're just, they're, they're almost asking you how they can help you. And, um, and my life has been very, very good. And, and as I said, I have no regrets. Wonderful, um, wonderful, great things, you know. So. Well, and especially given how, like, you've, you've talked, you know, at length about how, you know, people have been there and uh, that people have been able to help you and that, you know, you've been able to help other people. Um, in terms of shopping centers, I look at it as one of those things where it's like you can't go home again sort of thing that it's almost like a you know yes they they really used to be you know this big thing mm -hmm. and now I mean uh, Maplewood Mall was I think it was up for auction but now I think it's off of auction again uh, I think they're maybe trying to do something different with it every time I drive by there I think about like oh yeah this is how it used maybe to be. they'll put a new mall there well <laughs> Someone I know who works there is like, yeah, it's definitely a mall. And, uh, but it's one of those things where like there, some of these malls that have been either abandoned or, uh, dismantled are, you know, it's an Amazon fulfillment center now. Oh, these are condos now because, you know, these footprints can't really be duplicated. Um, what do you think was probably your biggest lesson when you were in shopping centers or something that you still carry with you? Uh, if you had, you know, gun to your head, what would you think was probably your biggest takeaway from your time? Hmm. Uh, 
I think the biggest, again, and I, I sort of alluded to this earlier, was the training I got in shopping centers. You just didn't know what you were going to do. You know, it was like the job description. There was no job description. Or maybe there was a job description, but who knows what that was. That was like a Reader's Digest condensed version of a job description. I mean, it was, you just did so many things. It was it was silly, and I've always thought I, I had uh, ADD, uh, ADHD probably, and that job was perfect because you couldn't you had to be doing a hundred things at one time, and they were and none of them were connected. Really bizarre uh, things. I mean, I don't know how many people said to me. How, how do you do that? How do you do that? Now, my response was always, I don't know. I don't have a clue. At the end of the day, I just, and then you go home at night and you sit in front of the TV and you just flip channels because you you couldn't concentrate on anything. You know, I mean, it was forever that I could sit through a movie, like two hours watching a movie, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, for years, it's just like, uh, you know, I would just watch YouTube clips <laughs> because I couldn't sit through a movie. I couldn't sit through a game, like to watch a baseball game or something. I'm out after the third inning. I can't, uh, I can't do it. So I've, it's like almost had to sort of mentally calm down. Uh, but at that time, shopping centers, uh, was a very challenging thing. The company was very challenging. Um, and I think what I, what I take away from, from all that was really such good training and that the skill level of these people was, uh, I mean, uh, we would be in these big meetings and, uh, well, I'll give you an example. Uh, a mall manager out in California, I can't remember his name. He predicted all the Amazon stuff. This was before anybody was even talking about it. He said, I think the thing that's gonna happen with us is gonna be eventually with, you know, and we were still in the youth of computers, you know, this was mid nineties. And he goes, I really think people will be able to buy things off computers and, and, uh, and that, and, and we're going to be out of luck. Well, he was right, and nobody had a clue. I remember doing a presentation at the St. Paul Pioneer Press and saying to people, I don't know, but I just don't, I think people are going to get their news electronically. They're going to, they might be in the bathroom uh, sitting on the toilet reading a, uh, some electronic device, not reading a newspaper. And everybody kind of laughs and stuff like that. It's exactly what happened. What what the heck did I know? You know, I was probably trying to make a joke and couldn't think of a punchline. <laughs> and it's it's what's all happened. And the other thing that I think shopping centers taught me was you have to be light on your feet. You have to be able to bob and weave and move around and and not be stuck. Uh, marketing people as a whole. Sorry, marketing people. <laughs> you have blinders on, and nothing's more important than your marketing plan. 
you're going to dig in no matter what the external factors are you're going to dig into that marketing plan once you get it approved it's going to it's going to go 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 and i think we're seeing some evidence of how bad a strategy that is but i got a chance to, i've gotten a chance to work with some great people and one was a uh, a guy who was a vp for procter and gamble and he was a former president of arby's and he was a uh, in charge of worldwide operations for KFC and stuff. And I got to work really closely with him. And he used to say, marketing people are the most focused on their own plan out of anybody because they will not move off that plan. You have to get a team of horses, tie the team of horses to them to pull them off that plan. And he said, to their own detriment. And I never understood that until then I looked back and saw, oh, yeah. And I always felt like I could move around. Um, it was hard, and I think I've got gray hair from that, of, of doing those kind of things. Because then you are you don't get a lot of support. You're in uncharted territory. You know, They say, well, that's not what you plan to do. Well, I know, but I think this could be better. But that's not in your plan. And... and those are the things that sort of define us. Family Fun Night came out of uh, a security issue, and it wasn't in any in any plan. And it turned out to be not only my one of my biggest successes, but one of the biggest long-term successes in shopping centers. And uh, just a simple concept of marketing to families. Um, so... I would say that's what that's what I take away, the ability to move around and um, not be stuck in a certain thing. I also try to stay a little ahead of the game. It, try to anticipate things. Uh, nobody anticipated the, um, the pandemic and that changed habits. You know, you look at, uh, it, just take shopping centers, you know, which were struggling, uh, it really, that ice cube was really melting about 2015, 2016. But when we hit the pandemic, then it's like, well, no, you can't go to the shopping center now. Um, not only do you not want to, you literally can't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. People are dying to get in. It's that terrible situation of of um, we have to keep this close. Our destination place closed down, and that allowed people to. Uh, buy online you know it was like okay well maybe i won't catch the good deals but uh you know and then now as gas has gone up you kind of go okay well gas is more expensive so now if i buy if i got to go to the mall i got to pay for the gas for that if i'm just going to buy a shirt now it costs me three dollars to get there and three dollars to get home to buy the shirt it just seems like there's other factors now than just the price of the shirt. There's the time it takes. There's, you know, and if Mall of America is going to be our standard shopping center, it's going to take you 25 minutes to find that shirt place. It's going to take you time to park. It's going to take, by the time you're done to buy that shirt, it's a two hour thing instead of going on Amazon and getting it in about four minutes. So um, all these different things uh, that we we couldn't anticipate have now changed habits even further 
you know, it's helped people like any type of delivery kind of thing. Uh, it's, it's really helped that business. Um, you know, you look at um, like, like a Grubhub, how much it costs. It's incredible. Uh, the, the costs are incredible. And, but people still pay it because, um, because I think, you know, the other thing is we're not used to looking at money anymore. We've got, well, we've got credit cards in our pocket, but when we're online, we don't even have to have credit cards. They're already loaded in the computer. We just click. So we don't even see that. So nobody uses, you know, how much is it? $30 and okay, here's five, 10, 50, 20. The clerks are looking at you like, what the heck is that stuff? Yeah. You know, uh, don't you have a credit card? What's wrong with you, dude? <laughs> so so uh, the ability to, to change with all of this, I think is gonna be the skill that everybody needs. And like I said, you know, I'm kind of on that, I'm kind of turning that corner now, kind of going into the sunset. But I look at, now I look at more what I want rather than what needs to happen. And um, I think uh, in in the business of shopping centers, they're gonna have to, they've been able to look at what they want. Now I think they're gonna need to really look at what really needs to happen for us to stay relevant. Well, I think even, uh, I think it was a Tyson quote that it's like, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. And, <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, and I think even the like a military phrasing is that it's like, no battle plan survives first contact with the enemy. Right. And that, especially like when you're talking about like marketing plans, that it's like, okay, well, the plan is, all right, you, you plan for something and it's supposed to be good as like your guide. Yeah. It isn't supposed to be the step-by-step -step and you can't deviate right. from that. Or at least especially given how like dynamic situations have changed. I mean, you couldn't have predicted the pandemic five years ago in the way that it came about. And then the response even more so that like, okay, was this going to be the way that we were going to handle it? And um, I think they're in a bad position, but it's also a deal where, I mean, someone like me uh, to go to Mall of America is 45, 50 minutes. And I'm like, well, what's there that I can't get somewhere else and especially you know for some of the stores i'm sure there are some good stores with good people but it's a deal where it's like well they're not they don't they aren't providing what i'm wanting and especially like for these larger centers and even for some of the smaller ones it's what is you know is it is the juice worth the squeeze mm -hmm. and especially if you have a business that may or may not like you or you know is saying well this is what you want well i actually don't want this and mm -hmm. i think we're seeing that especially at these like larger corporate levels where it's no this is what you want this is what we're going to tell you mm -hmm. and i'm a pro wrestling fan and that's kind of been something that in pro wrestling there have been times where it's like oh we want this guy to be a good guy well no we want him to be a bad guy right. well we're going to cheer him anyway well we're going to keep making him be a bad guy and it almost seems like that strategy has been, well, no, this is the thing that you want. You want this. You want this. Or and corporations punishing you if you don't like what they're telling you you want. Yes. And There's something wrong with you, and they've got labels for you if you don't want that. Yeah. And it's like, hold it a minute. 
you're supposed to be on my side. And they're going, no, if you don't like this, if you don't like the way we're doing it, this is what's wrong with you. And then how did our sales figures uh, get so low? Mm-hmm. And Or that there's there's no brand loyalty. There's no customer loyalty where it's, well, if you're going to be telling me this, okay, I'll go to somebody else. Well, well, if you go this way, you're a bigot. Or if you go this way, then you're not a good person. Okay, see you later. Well, it's, you know, people now are purchasing based on, they're not just based on, you know, what I need. Again, it's what I want. And what I want might be political concerns. It might be uh, a certain identity with um, whether you're uh, patriotic or not. Um, so if you're, if you're political and you're going, well, hold it, I don't want to be political. I don't like your politics, Mr. Company. I don't like your politics. And, you know, if we look at the country sort of split pretty much down the middle, half think this way and half thinks this way, it always surprises me that companies will take a side and they'll say, this is what we believe and they'll take that side and so that other side goes well what about us and they'll say well you better just come along and um there's nothing really wrong with that because competition then springs up that gives those people what they want so you know our country is still competitive still um you know within uh, within any type of um, uh, goods or services, you can choose this or choose that uh, based on what your needs are. And you don't have to, you know, we're watching Disney go through a huge fail by taking one side. And now their stock is dropping. They're, um, they're ha- you know, they're having trouble getting, you know, it, you know, everybody wants that investor money and they're having trouble getting that. Now they're, They've got a lot of money, uh, just like Anheuser-Busch, but um, not admitting to a mistake and then solving the problem is, is the downfall of these companies. It's like, don't take sides. Go right down the middle. We want you to be right down the middle. And I think most people want these companies to be down the middle. Just make a better shirt. You know, make shoes that are better. You know, quit using, you know, uh, uh, kids labor in China or something. You know, quit doing that. We don't want you to do that. But but we want you to focus on, you know, making a better tennis shoe rather well, than telling me what I'm supposed to believe. I think even, even better, uh, since you brought up shoes, I think it was Michael Jordan that he was asked about his politics and he was like, Republicans still buy sneakers. Yep. And yep. Uh, I think there's there's something to be said for that. And I would say he was a pretty successful guy. And it's still, I just heard this the other day. He's still the number one shoe. His uh, Air Jordan shoes are still number one, the number one selling shoe. I was, I was shocked when I heard that. I thought, and everybody still, even people coming up still know who Michael Jordan is, you know? Even me, I don't watch basketball, but I know who he is. Um, 
so to kind of wind to kind of wind us down you brought up uh that you've that uh i mean gosh probably 20 years ago now uh that you're back into back into music doing doing really well um where can we find you and examples of your work and uh you know what are things that you're up to these days well jeffcarvermusic.com is my website um I, I sort of stopped touring. I was playing with a great band, Sean Johnson and the Big Band Experience, and there's still a lot of stuff on my YouTube channel. Or, um, every now and then I'll post some things. And um, But I'm on Facebook, I'm on Instagram, I'm on TikTok, I'm on all those uh, platforms. But um, So I'm just kind of playing locally now, just uh, kind of winding it down uh, because it's it's um it's still real fun and i'll probably play until i just can't play anymore but i just got together with a group of really great musicians and people right now are going oh my gosh that would have been a great jam session it was no we grilled and drank <laughs> as all good musicians do <laughs> and we had just a great time and it was so i can't tell you how fun it was because these are some of these are some of the best musicians in the world. And so first of all, the funny is way up on like it's, it's got one to 10. It's like a 15 <laughs> on the funny level. Uh, so great. And the, the stories and experiences and how people are like me going, what year was that? What year did I do that? How was that? And instead, like, like there was a guy there that, that was like, well, in 1986, in it was May 4th, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, holy cow, how does he remember that? I go, is that true? <laughs> are you making that, or do you make that date up? <laughs> Sound impressive. But, uh, um, and, and a lot of guys are, you know, the road's different than it used to be, and traveling's far different. You know, the, the saga of the airline industry continues to just, uh, the industry continues to deteriorate. And uh, I don't know anybody who hasn't had flights at least a couple hours late, if not canceled altogether and um, on a consistent basis. And I think when you're traveling all the time by airplane, um, which we were uh, when I was on the road, unless you're flying private jet, which some of these guys fly private jet, um, it's still tough, you know, it's still tough because uh, ground control is having issues and stuff and everybody's trying their best, but everybody's understaffed. Um, there's just not enough people working uh, that have those skill levels. The systems probably aren't meant to, you know, handle the things that they're handling now yeah. and yeah. everything kind of stems from that too, I'd, yeah. I'd imagine. I think so. I think you're right. I think, I think... Um, people are really stretched thin and after the pandemic we're all kind of like life is short you know and we were told that you know all the things that we were told during the pandemic all that stuff it's tough to get that stuff out of your head even though we know a lot of that stuff wasn't true now back then it was like holy cow you know uh, you know we all were home you know in our backyard drinking of you know waiting to die <laughs> you know <laughs> And uh, um, it, and it's it's a 
it's one of those things that it changed our culture and and i think in a lot of the work culture you know we're we just don't have those people that are dedicated to put in those those years you know it's like uh, i always thought like things like america's got talent and all that stuff and you can be a you can be a star in 20 minutes you have a great thing and you know you're on tv and boom you're a star and if you're an instrumentalist you're just practicing you know you just hit it every day and maybe you become a star maybe you don't you're just practicing every day you're hitting it and people think oh i could be a star in 20 minutes and it and one or two people can it's like being a basketball star it's like every kid i'm going to be a basketball star or a baseball star or whatever and you know it's like it's like there's you know maybe you know i don't know how many players there are like in the major league baseball but let's say there's 600 total or something you know you know out of the millions of kids in this country 600 are going to yeah. make it you know that's not very good odds it'd be better to to figure out what else you're going to do and i think i think trade schools are going to start to really um really explode plumbers we're, we're always going to need plumbers we're going to need electricians need those specialty type of people that we don't have we don't need too many more psychology degrees what we need is somebody who can fix the faucet you know and i think that's where and those people will make a lot of money and not and start start their career without what's you know right now it's like oh we got to pay off everybody's college debt and stuff like that they not only start with no debt they start with income because they start as an apprentice a paid apprentice and then they walk right into a very lucrative job if they know what they're doing so well uh jeffcarvermusic.com that's the that's the mothership and you're all over you're over social media and all that stuff so um if you can check them out i'm a little biased but i i always have a really good time whenever i come out to see a gig and uh and actually, it just gives me an idea to do another podcast with you in terms of all your music stories, because I'm sure there's, uh, I'm sure there's a bunch. Oh, that'd be so, fun to do. Yeah. Well, thanks again for coming on, and I love you, Dad. All right. Thanks. <laughs> I love you too. Talk to you soon. Yep. See ya. Hi, everyone. Thank you for listening to Historical Diversions. If you enjoyed this episode, your feedback would be greatly appreciated. Five-star reviews, positive comments, and even just telling your friends about us helps. We're on social media, Twitter, Facebook, etc. But the mothership is historicaldiversions.com. You can find show notes, ways to support, and other fun info on there. Thanks again for listening. This podcast was written and produced by your host through Historical Diversions, LLC. Any other rights belong to their respective owners.